And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad, even your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Champion contenders, we drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, band of 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie, I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a Brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you play. Plan on staying up today. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god. The guy who thinks he can get away with rocking a scally cap, Jay King, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic. And uh, I wish I, you guys could see the video right now. I guess it's um, this is our Halloween episode. So Jay came in looking like Tommy Shelby with his uh, scally cap on. Jay, how are you doing on this rainy afternoon? It's the peaky fucking blinders. <laughs> Happy Halloween to everyone out there. I, I started I started rewatching the Peaky Blinders, so I had to had to give some respect to the Shelby family, the proper respect due, and throw on my scally cap. Did you buy it or did you just happen to have this? Happen I had one laying around. All right, that's good. Yeah. So All right, we're here. It's the off season. Tommy just Shelby, baby. Throw it on. Casual uh casual scally cap. It's the off season, so of course, we're going to talk about some completely unfounded rumors and rampant speculation. Uh, we'll talk about that with respect to Gordon Hayward and also when the league is actually going to return because uh, if the league gets it way, it's going to be quite soon, but we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the Sixers having Daryl Morey become their president of basketball operations. We'll review some of the Celtics' possible front uh free agent targets and we'll also get to questions from you guys the listeners god listener gods it's a jam-packed episode from jam packer but let's start first with gordon hayward on the low post zach Lowe said he thinks gordon hayward will opt in but it's not a hundred percent and he heard some buzz some buzz some buzz that he might opt out and immediately Celtics Twitter went, Oh my God, he's opting out. There's a bunch of things. Uh, what's going to happen, how that changes the Celtics tax mid-level exception. Um, they, they just can't let him walk for nothing. They have to go do a sign and trade. It just went completely bonkers almost immediately. Jay, what was your reaction to the possibility of buzz? Lots of buzz. Buzz. Buzz Lightyear. Buzz, Buzz <laughs> from the back of um, uh, Sports Illustrated for Kids. Buzz from Home Alone. Ooh. Buzz. I, I'm, all, I'm all out of buzzes. Buzz yeah, Haverty from know. my elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> you went to school with a kid named Buzz? Uh, his nickname was Buzz. I don't think his full name was Buzz. I think his name real name was Charles. But he had okay. a bit of an ADD, so people called him Buzz. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you can get a buzz if if you start drinking. You can get a buzz cut. <laughs> you can oh, buzz, seriously. Some, buzz someone with a high and tight fastball. Ooh. Ooh. 
I got I got no more buzz talk. I you you outbuzzed me. You outbuzzed the buzzer. All oh, right. buzzer beater. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Considering this is what we're talking about, I think this is how seriously we take the Gordon Hayward scuttlebutt. Like, well, look, it is feasible that he could want to explore options to get long-term money. And if there's an Al Horford contract out there for him to get in a situation that he deems okay, then, yeah, of, of course, there's always a chance of a potential free agent leave. teams with cap space. Yeah. Is he going to uh, go do, to the uh, Grizzlies? Uh, the, the, the one that kind of lines up, and I say this because Kevin O'Connor reported that they're looking to compete for the playoffs. On the podcast you were talking about, Zach Lowe also said the Atlanta Hawks are really, really itching, buzzing to get in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, so they're a team, if, if that is what they want to do, and they want to commit to getting better and getting in the playoffs, then that's a situation where they could look at Gordon Hayward and think, okay, we already have Trey Young. We've got Clint Capella. We've got John Collins. We've got some young pieces around them. Kevin Herter. The Red Rocket. The the Red Rocket. A a couple other young wings that could use some help. And will be growing, but also need a second scoring option, second playmaking option around Trey Young. And I think basketball-wise, that's a pretty good fit for Gordon Hayward. I think he'd have to look at it and think, okay, this would be a downgrade from, from Boston in terms of chance to win. But if you can well, lock you could in... get the sixth seed if everything breaks the way in the East. <laughs> like, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and, but he'd get more touches, probably. Um, he'd be clearly the second guy in in Atlanta. He'd be on a team that at least had playoff chances. And if the, if the money is right, that that is a situation that like could theoretically make sense if if that's what he's interested in. I'm not sure what he's interested in. Um, I'll tell you what he's interested in because last night I watched him have a chess chess lesson on Twitch for about an hour. It was it was fascinating. I learned a lot about chess. Who gave him a chess lesson? Some sort of grandmaster or grand wizard of chess. I was just teaching him chess. It was the most personality I saw from Gordon Hayward in my kind of three years of being around him. He's genuinely interested in learning more about chess, but also on that, the chess master told him about Daryl Morey, uh, and Gordon Hayward had no idea that Daryl Morey had even left the Rockets, and Gordon Hayward didn't have any idea that the Rockets just signed a new head coach uh, in Silas, and so... Gordon Hayward doesn't seem that interested in uh, what's going on the ha- going on around the league, but I guess the Hawks make a little bit of sense to me. My interpretation of the situation, based on nothing at all, was uh, Gordon Hayward's agent. It was basically telling Zach Lowe that there's buzz, and it seems like it makes if he's trying to negotiate a longer term contract or an extension with the Celtics. Uh, it makes more sense. You have more leverage if you have a team like the Hawks out there. If you have, say, he might not just like have to opt in. I don't know. It just doesn't – if you're on the second half of your career, you're on the back nine if you're Gordon Hayward, do you go to a lesser team like the Hawks and really try to make a run for the sixth seed? Or do you be on a team that's going to threaten the Eastern Conference Finals or potentially the Finals? It's just – Maybe he's about that money. Maybe he just wants to become like a, a a second option on the team. But it seems like a downgrade in winning for me. And for Gordon Hayward, who hasn't won anything in his career, it kind of seems like nonsense. It seems like it's not the right position. And I was trying to work in a chess metaphor reference right there, but I realized I don't know anything about chess except what I learned last night, which is the phrase en passant. En passant? It's when you got two pawns, but they're next to each other, and for some reason, you can just like instead of actually like taking the oh, piece to start you... the to start the game. No, at any time you can on passant, bro. On passant. Yeah, Gordon Hayward hates it when people on passant on him. <laughs> it's a sucker move. 
He's not about that. <laughs> what in the world were you watching on Twitch, man? Gordon Hayward, like he's it's all about captures, checks, captures, and attacks is how you approach the ch- the chess world. That's what I learned last night. And Gordon Hayward's pretty good. He's been playing a lot of chess lately. Has no idea what's going on in the world. Um, so that's actually kind of wild because like. He just has no idea what's going on in the NBA. Well, presumably, there's a lot of buzz about him opting out. I don't know. I've got to tell a chess story. All right, let's hear it. This was a great, great chess story. My guy, Gary Washburn, might be pissed at me for telling it. It's a wash story. Us pissing off Wash on this podcast is pretty much canon at this point. So So it was the a pregame scrum for Dave Yeager. I forget who he was coaching at the time. But Wash was clearly disinterested in the prospect of speaking to Dave Yeager, but also <laughs> wanted to do his job and record the interview and, and be there for what was going on. But he started playing a game of chess in the scrum. <laughs> and and Yeager spotted him. So Yeager spots him playing chess and then calls him out in the middle of the interview for playing chess while he was giving his pregame interview. And Jaeger was really funny about it. Like he made some chess joke that I wasn't fully aware of. It had nothing to do with on passant, but it was a hysterical all time <laughs> moment for pregame scrum. When, when Gary Washburn got just spotted playing, playing chess during Dave Jaeger's interview. What's the um, most you've done something similar in a scrum on your phone when you're not paying attention? I've never done anything like that on my phone, honestly. Um, you've texted other people. I've been on Twitter during scrums. What's the what's the worst? I've probably, I've probably texted other people. I've definitely I definitely go on Twitter during scrums to tweet stuff. Um, but never I've, a full game, never full chest. You're never castling your rook. Never rooks to e five. Never went full on passant on him. What a, what a moment that was. Anyway, a, um, back to Gordon Hayward. I think, I mean, for him, it, obviously it's going to come down to money and it would take a big offer to turn down that $34.2 million player option. It would like take that. a big offer over four years to do it. Like, because you're not going to... Yeah, three get... or four years, it would have to be where he could th- feel comfortable with giving that up and and getting back something on the back end and and a lot of something on the back end and then like if if he is considering a departure um then i think it would have like in his thought process i think i do think the celtics are the best team that he could go to or stay on um Obviously, he signed in Boston, at least he said, partly because his relationship with Brad Stevens. He was recently voted, Hayward was recently voted one of the better teammates in the NBA. So he's clearly well-liked in Boston. Um, So those are things that could factor in. I still think he'll end up opting into that player option. But I would have thought the same thing about Al Horford last year. And obviously, Horford found a situation that he thought was really great for him, and he thought he was going to f- Philadelphia, and, and he got a hundred and what ten million dollars. And he said he didn't know that they were going to replace Kyrie Irving with Kemba Walker. I mean, I think the Celtics team looks a whole lot different. I don't know who their starting point guard would have been without Kemba Walker, but doesn't feel like a championship level team. So he felt like Al Horford's in a similar place where he's going to try to win championships at this point, and. I mean, when that deal happened, everyone was like, oh, the Sixers are the uh, the favorites in the East right now. And so I think everyone thought it was going to work out a lot better. Yeah, and I think when he looked at it, I know for a fact he has a huge, huge amount of respect for Joel Embiid. And so he looked at that situation as a place where he could go and start. And secondly, get away from the mess that happened in Boston the previous year. Like this is a totally different situation for Hayward. Good things happened this past season. It was it was a promising year. It was for the most part, other than after game two of the Miami series, a calm and fun year for for most people involved. The team actually liked each other. Yeah, but obviously the locker room was a friendly place to be. There are some other factors. And if you if you do opt in, 
then you got to wonder are are they going to look into trading me um because obviously he he looks he could look at it and see some of the same tax concerns that everybody else does which is why there's been speculation um from fans and and writers that that about Hayward you know his the potential trade market for him do you think that's something that would happen like, I don't know the specific rules, but like if he opts in, is there a certain like thing where you have to wait 60 days or like when it's a new free agent or is it he's eligibly traded as soon as he opts in on that contract? And so it'd be like, would a, tr- would a trade be possible if he for him to opt in and then be traded this offseason? Yeah, you can you can opt in and, and be traded. Because it's still the same contract as the first one. It's just it's, haven't, okay. haven't you been trying to put Ennis Cantor into the trade machine, bro? No, I don't really go on the trade machine anymore. I just let dumb trades come onto my Twitter timeline, and then I say, oh, that's dumb. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like, I saw a rumor today that the Celtics are really interested in trading for Rudy Gobert. Um, that's stupid. And so I said, that's stupid, and I kept scrolling. Uh, I think the thing that's – I mean, I've also seen that they're going to trade for Andre Drummond and Miles Turner, and so I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it's more interesting at the deadline – if like the Celtics determine that they're just not not at that championship level with like an expire like a guarantee you're going to get nothing for Gordon Hayward to then to try to turn it into something but I don't think right now it makes much sense for them to kind of make a big move um it's going to be interesting though because we talk about trading in the offseason how long is the offseason going to last? We got our main man Shams from The Athletic reporting that the league wants to come back. Not long enough. <laughs> Jay King on vacation rocking the scally cap does not want to come back to work uh, on December 1st when tra- training camp would uh, reportedly start. That's a month away. That's one month. Well, I was um, never intending to take vacation now. But um, then now there's a possibility that the league is back December 22nd. Which means it's going to be draft, free agency, training camp, boom, 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 boom. Which means that the kid who had not had a vacation since before the start of last season needed to to, to your take whole his, life has been a vacation, vacation for the past six months. It's not like I mean, you've been traveling you can, with the you team. Can say, you can say that about everyone who's yeah, been working so from I'm home. Yeah, suck it up, bub. Oh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I I I have a great job. I have I enjoy my life quite a bit. But I did think there was going to be more time to actually step away for vacation and there wasn't. Aren't you literally on vacation right now? Yes. Okay, so you want yes. more of an extended vacation. And I think you might get your way because the Michelle Roberts, head of the Players Association, basically came back today and said, hell no, we're not playing on December 22nd. You saw Danny Green say, I don't think LeBron would be like, I wouldn't be ready to play at that time. It seems like the Players Association is not really fucking with that idea, pushing for more of a mid-January. The whole point is to basically get this season as close back to the normal schedule as possible with the understanding that you're probably not going to have fans. Um and so to try to just get this season in. And so then the next season is uh, on most of a normal schedule as possible. But December just feels very, very quick. It's insane to have like expect, especially like the, I would say like the final four teams uh, to kind of come back and have such a quick turnaround. There's the teams that didn't play at all in the bubble. Sure. They're ready to play. The Warriors but- are probably so happy. They can finally play some actual basketball. Yeah, I mean, and there's some ideas out there for, like, Ethan Strauss to have, like, stagger the season. And so you have teams like the the Warriors and the other eight um, maybe play earlier games. I don't – not smart enough to figure that all out. But it just seems like from a player safety standpoint and from an entertainment standpoint, like, if they're going to be playing a bunch of games back-to-back to try to fit, what, 72 games into that sh- kind of shorter time frame, how much load management is there going to be? Like, you're just not going to see any – stars on a back-to-back or like a three games in four nights there's basically the entire you're not going to get the best basketball i feel like if you start well i guess it you you jam it in quicker if you if you start later but i just feel like starting that soon with all the injury concerns it just doesn't make sense to me 
Yeah, and I think if it does start as soon as December 22nd, I mean, there are a long list of of things that would have to happen. It'd be like, literally, it'd be free agency and then straight into training camp. There would probably be some guys unsigned going into training camp that are pretty good players. So that would be a weird thing for coaching staffs to deal with. And then if if it is that soon, especially for a team like the Celtics that did go deep and does have some guys banged up, I think I, I wonder how the Celtics would approach the beginning of next season, especially with Kemba Walker, whose knee was banged up during the playoffs. It was banged up before the playoffs. It was banged up before the hiatus. How much time do they give him? Tice just had surgery, too. But Tice just had surgery. Romeo Lankford could miss into the beginning of next season, even if it was more of a a regular lapse, I think. So the fallout of this could be teams going into more of a load management mode, I think, and especially for a team like the Celtics with Kemba especially because that that's something that – they need to manage better than they did last year, and he needs to manage better than he did last year. And two months of an offseason or two and a half months or whatever it would be from the last time they played a game is just really, really quick. And they had, what was it, a three or four months hiatus in the middle of the season, and he came back, and it still bothered him. So, And they I, were very, very ginger with his return. Like, they, they – the entire eight seeding games, he like ramped up. They controlled his minutes, and he still he did not seem a hundred percent. I guess in the playoffs, especially in the Miami series, that's why he turned the ball over so many times <laughs> against his own. But yeah. yeah, against his own. I saw I saw a tweet today. I think it was from Greeny from Barstool, but it was like the Celtics Heat turnover. It was like in that series, the Celtics had eighty five turnovers, and the Heat had like. 55 turnovers and it was like yep that's why the Celtics lost and it still made me upset and I still got triggered uh by it the one thing about the early start that I thought was interesting is the idea of like pl- kind of playing like baseball series like if the Celtics go out west they're gonna play every single western conference team which would be a crazy road trip but it's like you get your I guess would they I, would they even do home and home? Like, are they going to go to LA and only play two games, or would they play all four games against uh, the Lakers and Clippers there? Um, I don't know fully what the the deal is, but I think it's just like a a different wrinkle that I think would be interesting. And I like I like the series play of the playoffs and the adjustments made and things like that. I think would be interesting and it'd be a new kind of element um, for the game, which I think I'd be. I'm all for it because the adjustment part is like kind of the thing that I think is makes playoff basketball so much more interesting than the regular season. Yeah, that that would be interesting. And I think because of how many games they are going to have to cram into such a short period of time and the fact that the NBA is clearly against having more back-to-backs. And if you look back to the lockout season when they played 66 games in 2011, 2012, they had back-to-back-to-backs. And each team had like several four games and five nights type deals um i don't know if that's true but some teams there were there were <laughs> there were there were four games in five nights um pretty pretty regularly so i i, I want to see how the nba kind of reacts to that and I, the the series i guess i guess that'd be interesting but i, I don't think there'd be too many adjustments in like a regular season series yeah i, I think I, it, I mean, I, maybe I could be if wrong. you like it might be in division you could see it like if you have to play four games against the nets and you put them all in like over the course of a week you might have some adjustments but also with the the rest we're talking about you might just not get the same players and so it's kind of hard to see what it was i'm just thinking of a way of way it might be cool but you're right it would probably be not as cool yeah probably all right the one other piece <laughs> of news the Sixers have hired a new president of basketball operations, Daryl Morey, um, who's got his start with the Celtics in the Celtics front office. Uh, known nerd started the uh, Sloan Sports Analytics Conference at MIT that uh, is kind of uh, nerdapalooza every single year. What is your reaction, Jay, to the Cel- are the 76ers getting you know someone competent? I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at his track record in Houston, 
he's at least competent, probably more in line with one of the better GMs in the league based on what he's done. I think the the key part for the 76ers is that he seems very creative, and I think that's a roster that's going to need some creativity, and maybe that means one day trading Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid and deciding Ooh, between them. That maybe was my that, first thought when I saw Maury Ball. What is Maury like? Yeah, so point may, shot. maybe what that means it? surrounding those two guys with pieces that actually fit instead of like just the biggest, tallest, talented dudes you can find. I I, I think, I, I mean, I don't know what Maury intends to do, but there's a lot of talent there in Philadelphia, and I think that's very clear. Obviously, they were a mess this year. If they can fix the supporting cast and give Simmons and Embiid a better chance, I think that's another possible contender in the Eastern Conference. Like, I don't think they're totally... Done, and I, I do think if you have the right pieces around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, like that is a dangerous, dangerous team. But they have a lot of work to do. Like Al Horford obviously didn't work there; his contract isn't good. Tobias Harris may not be a perfect fit, at least if they keep Horford. Um, his contract is huge for what he provides, so that they have. It's not a perfect situation, and. Maury's got a lot of work to do. The thing I respect about Maury as a GM is his willingness to go for it. Like he, ever since he got there, he basically kept the Rockets as a relevant team. He never really like took a dip and always was trying to find that second star to go with uh, James Harden, whether it was Dwight, whether it was um, Chris Paul. Sounds from the scuttlebutt, the buzz out there that uh, maybe trading for Russell Westbrook was less his decision. Um, but I think there's definitely a willingness and an eagerness to like win now um, with Daryl Morey. And so he is saddled with the uh, Tobias Harris contract and the um, Al Horford contract, which kind of limits what they can do. But I think he has a, just a greater willingness to make a bolder move. I think like Simmons obviously is like Morey ball. You think about it as like threes, but like it's threes and layups. And so Simmons is the all uh, like, all that guy does is take layups. And so I think he, there's a way in which he can fit into Maury ball. I don't necessarily think like analysts will say trade Ben Simmons, but I think that Daryl Maury is much more willing to kind of make a deal uh, than I guess your average GM. And so it's going to be interesting to see what he does, but it's definitely a difficult situation that I think like last year, 76ers front office got them into because they owe Horford and uh, Tobias so much money. And, as we saw in the playoff, I guess Ben Simmons didn't play, but the 76ers were just not great in terms of uh, their depth there. So it makes the Atlantic division a little bit more competitive uh, going forward, but we shall see uh, what happens. I also wonder if there will be friction between Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers, because obviously Mike D'Antoni was willing to go to great lengths to go to do what became known as Mori ball. Like guys were basically weren't allowed to take mid range shots. Like they, they went all in. It was the entire organization. Like doc rivers seems to be like, likes to play two bigs and I don't know, didn't really put a lot of shooting on the court with the Clippers and continued to run out lineups with Montrez Harrell in it. And so it's, it's like two very big personalities, which is going to be interesting to see how those two guys get along because doc, has rings or ring, uh, but is an established kind of voice in this league. And is he going to be willing to kind of accept a new uh, organizational philosophy? How much, I mean, Daryl Morey is not just the GM, he's the president of basketball operations. Like it, how much is he able to kind of establish a kind of new culture and approach? Yeah, that that's going to be really interesting, man. I, and because those guys both have a lot of cachet, like, They've had a lot of success doing it their ways. And I think there's going to need to be a compromise there between Doc Rivers, who hasn't always leaned into three-point shooting, and and Daryl Morey, who obviously wants to maximize the math. And then the roster, like, it's tough to maximize the math in ways that the Rockets did it at least. 
with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons both together on the court. So there's it's hard to play it's, five it's really, out when your best player is a giant center. It's a fascinating, fascinating situation over there. And I'm I'm intrigued. I am highly intrigued by the Philadelphia 76ers moving forward. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, before we get to the listener God's questions, we're going to play a game Jay King likes to call, Does It Move the Needle? Does Um, it move the needle? Does it move the needle? Now, is this a binary scenario where it either is zero or a one, and it does move the needle, or are we tracking how much the needle moves? Just yes or no. Does it move the needle? So we're we're talking a binary. All right. So for potential targets, we are going off a list created for us by uh, Jared Weiss, fellow member of the Athletic Boston covering the Boston Celtics here. He has separated the free agent class into scorers, wings, and bigs. We will go through the list. Jay King, you will tell me if it moves the needle. (laughs) I like how you got dramatic there. I mean, that's, 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 I mean, game show host, I feel like, is my second calling in life. Starting off round one of Does It Move the Needle? We have a combo guard by the name of Langston Galloway. Nope. nope <laughs> no, doesn't. not nope. at all. Langston Galloway, no way. <laughs> Uh, okay, that moving quickly. I mean, he's, a, he, he's fine enough, but like, no. Well, the thing is, for this game, is like, is Langston Galloway better than Brad Wanamaker? I mean, probably a little bit. Yeah, but like but, not needle moving enough. No, he he ain't moving the needle. And <laughs> all right, if Langston Galloway is not moving the needle, then I haven't even heard of this guy. Jordan McLaughlin. That's that's a non-needle mover. He's a he. He was on the Iowa Wolves last year, and he averaged sixteen six assists and four rebounds a game. Shot thirty-five percent, uh, from three. So is that, that, is that is move the needle? A non-needle mover. Uh, he scored twenty-four points against the Clippers. Still not moving the needle. Not a needle mover. All right. How about we got this is the veteran point guard category, DJ Augustine. I would like Ooh, DJ sounds, sounds like someone's needles moving. But here's here's the problem with DJ Augustine. His fate is to forever be the starting point guard on the eight seed and lead an upset in game one and then get gentlemen swept. That is his fate. That is what he does, what he is meant to do every single year. I do think the Celtics could use a little more shot creation than they had last season, and and DJ Augustine can do that. He can run an offense. He would work well next to Marcus Smart. I don't think he would work well next to Kemba Walker. That would just be tiny, tiny backcourt. But you could have them in bigger lineups with Smart, Tatum, Brown, Hayward, assuming he comes back. So DJ Augustine, not the biggest needle mover. He's a starting caliber point guard on the eighth seed, as you said. Man can man can run an offense. All right. So I would say half move. See, this is why this is why you need the scale. But I guess in the binary. Needle has not moved. How about this guy? I think Je- this guy was one time all star. 
Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague. I mean, his his name is interesting. His name gets the needle kind of buzzing a little bit. His name moves the needle. I, I know once upon a time, Brad Stevens was a huge Jeff Teague guy. Um, Jeff Teague's a little bit bigger. Like he doesn't, he doesn't suffer from the small, uh, like two smalls. Maybe can play uh, next to Kemba Walker. Perhaps it's like six three. He's not a tiny guy, but he seems pretty washed and is not a great defender. And nor is he a great three point shooter. Um, clearly past his prime, but like. He would give you a little bit of creation. He'd give you a little dribble penetration, and those are things I think the Celtics could use in the second unit. So not a huge movable needer. Needle mover. <laughs> mover needer. Movable needer. <laughs> not a huge needle mover, but it would be interesting. It's dancing a little sort bit. Of, the uh, sort the of needle is dancing. <laughs> now, here's one that would the emotional meter – is moved, but on terms of on the court play, I don't know if there's a fit there. I, I see Isaiah Thomas got his hip fixed. He's on that slow grind. Uh, he said he's open to coming back to Boston. Doesn't hold any grudges. Does he move the needle? Isaiah Thomas had one of the most incredible seasons a Boston Celtics guard has ever had. He has had an inspirational career. He's a guy that Celtics fans will forever root for. I hope like hell for him that his hip is actually healed, but I just, don't think he's a but he doesn't move the needle needle folks i don't think he's a needle mover but he he would be the absolute needle mover for fans oh yeah if fans could ever get back into the gym people would go insane for him i just feel like he needs the ball in his hands to really be effective like that is very great off ball shooter he's very good off ball shooter is like is that are you really bringing him in to just kind of like hang out in the corner? No, you're like, you want the ball in his hands and being a decision-making. He did play well coming across, like off screens and he does knock down shots, but you just couldn't play a lineup with him and Kemba Walker on the court at the same time. Like that's and, just not something that I'm can just, be done. I'm not ready to trust that his hip is going to be okay after seeing the way he was moving last year. And I, I, I really, really hope it is, but just not ready until until he shows it. I hope he does show it because that'd be that'd be an awesome, awesome story if he comes back and and even approaches somewhat the level that he was not not in Boston, maybe because that'll never happen again. But earlier in his career when he was a great six man, like that'd be really cool. So none of the guards or scorers move the needle at all. For Jay King, we got a little bit of buzz uh, for Jeff Teague, but that was mostly name recognition. And DJ, DJ Augustine, and DJ Augustine. So some uh, some former starting guards who are past their prime. Let's Thanks see if the buzzing. wings, see if the wings do anything for you. Starting off with Bulls six seven guard forward wing Shaquille Harrison. Shaq can really defend. I don't think he's a needle mover. I don't think he would give the Celtics what they need in the second unit, which is shot creation and shot making. But the man can defend. He's a decent three-point shooter. He can defend. I mean, like anyone the Celtics are going to bring in, I feel like when's the last time the Celtics like played or had a role player who's just an offensive, like offense-only guy? It feels like all of their role players are pretty much guys who can be like pretty much be solid on the defensive end. GG. Uh, GG didn't last too long here. <laughs> um and that was GG in the was a legend, though. That was in the basically the Celtics tanking process. Um but solid Gigi, defenders GG played some minutes against LeBron in the playoffs. Yeah, that was when the Celtics should not have made like they just what mistakenly made the 8 seed and got swept by the uh, LeBron. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
Um, let's go with this is one. This one actually that's might move the needle for me. Justin Ooh. Holiday from the Pacers. Yeah, the Holiday brothers can hoop, man. Known hoopers. No he's like the, the he's a benched thing. wing. Like he's can shoot forty five percent from three. Like he's he's a three and D guy. Like that is that is what his role is. And you know how people like three and D. Yeah, I think someone in the mold of that would be very good for the Celtics. I think, but not Justin Holiday himself. You just it takes a lot to get your needle going. Hey, no, 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 no. no <laughs> I, I'm saying I'm saying Holiday would be a good fit. So the needle is officially it's on. It's up to the on switch. The needle has moved. The needle is is moved. I don't, I don't know if he'll be available at the price tag the Celtics will have. Like he's, he's making a, four point seven uh, last year with the Pacers, and so the Celtics, if Hayward opt in, can are somewhere in that like what five seven or five. Yeah. What's the what's the taxpayer mid level? Five seven, I think. Yeah, five point seven million. If Hayward opts out, then it creeps up to somewhere around nine. But I don't think that's going to happen. But it make it the need for a wing that much more necessary. But it's going to be interesting to see um, kind of what the player movement is going to be like because the salary cap's not going up. I think that we're hearing the things about that. The tax number is not going up because there's so much lost revenue. It might make player movement and player salaries will probably not go up. So it's going to be interesting interesting to see like kind of what players are available. But consider the needle move for Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday, known needle mover. How about uh, this guy who, at first glance, I'm going to say the needles the needle's starting to move. Bryn Forbes from the Spurs. Bryn Forbes, I mean, he's an elite shooter, like just an awesome shooter. He is really, really a great shooter. So obviously the Celtics could use some of that. Um, he's not a great defender. And he's not the biggest of guys. Yeah, which would, I mean, be fine for what he is. I think he'd be great in the regular season. I think there's a chance like Bryn Forbes wouldn't be super helpful in the playoffs. Moving on. Two, next man on the list, former Celtics second-round pick, Etwan Moore. I like Etwan Moore. I think he's a totally fine basketball player. 37% from three last year. Used to be at 40% from three. More of a defender. More of a defender. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, like. He's fine. I mean, most of these guys are like, they're good at certain things. He'd be kind of like a, a Wanamaker type, right? Solid guy who just plays pretty good defense and can knock down a three. Yeah. Like, pretty pretty similar. Pretty pretty similar. All right. I, but he, the question is, Jay, does he move the needle? I... I don't know if he's a, a known needle mover. I mean, with the hesitation right there, it doesn't sound like he's moved the needle at all. So we're going to move on. How could you be Mo Harkless? I like Harkless. Harkless is, again, like fits the mold of player that the Celtics could want. Um, He's kind of old, though. He's been around a while. He's been around a while. I'm not sure he's like particularly good anymore, but like he has been good and he was good recently, like decent recently. So, not with the Knicks a, though. Yeah, I mean, there's a if if he can salvage what he used to be, then he could be a a needle mover, but he hasn't. That's so hard, though. It's like, how do you evaluate that? Because the last time he played basketball was in March. And the last time he played meaningful basketball was he was on the Clippers. Yeah. Like, I mean, how do you know if he can really like get back to it? Is it worth giving your entire mid level exception to a guy 
who you're not even sure if he's going to move the needle. <laughs> yeah, but but he, I mean, he fits the mold, right? Like he's been he's six seven, two twenty. He can defend multiple positions. He's defended multiple positions on good teams. Um, not a great shooter, which would be a drawback, but like he he may give you enough size and defense that that doesn't matter. So he's he's sort of a a possible possible needle mover. Although no it would be no possibilities here. This is a binary system, zero or one. We're giving him a zero. We're moving on quickly. We'll we'll uh, give him we'll give him needle mover. I'm uh, gonna give him needle mover. Nope, doesn't move my needle. Maybe yours, but not mine. Um, it, he would really move the needle if he were like. If a it was 2018, career 37 percent shooter instead of career 32 and a half percent. Three. 2017 Mo Harkless. I'm there. This Mo Harkless does the needle for me. He, I mean, he's too young, man. How old do you think Mo Harkless is? I think he's like probably like 29. Mo Harkless is 27. He's what? Twenty-seven. Okay. Well, I. That's just, a shocker. Uh, that is a legit shocker. It feels like he's been in the league for a decade now. Yeah, I would have never guessed Mo Harkless was twenty-seven, but Basketball Reference informs me that he is. Moving on to Kent Bazemore, who I always call Kurt Bazemore. Um, does he move the needle? He would have at one time. When he was making think. $7 million, when he got that $7 million deal, when he was an Under Armour superstar? Kent Bazemore, there was a time in Atlanta when he was cool to have on your team. I'm just not sure. Like, he's a What three does he do and, great? What is he, like, very good at? Yeah, he hasn't shot the ball well the last couple of years. Um, I mean, there the one year in Atlanta when he shot close to forty percent from three. That's a useful Kent Bazemore, but some other years in Atlanta, some other years recently, he's been bazing less. So <laughs> I, that was so easy, and you just you had to go for it. Uh, yeah, I I I don't think Kent Bazemore moves the needle. Although I mean, he's playable. He's certainly playable. Like you could put. Kent Bazemore in your rotation and wouldn't be the worst thing ever, but I don't know if he's a needle mover. All right, we're going to move on to Arlington Mass's own Pat Connaughton. I like that. I can shoot. And I like Connaughton. He can dunk. I I doubt he'll be available at that price. Um, but I guess it's the possible. The Bucks have after- his bird rights. I would assume they did, having drafted him. Yeah, he he had he had a uh, the COVID thing, and then wasn't good after the restart. But I think that's pretty explainable. Um, yeah, I mean, if you have COVID, it it makes you less good at sports. Just look at Cam Newton. Yeah, so I think people will look at his body of work, and and he might get more money, but he might have cost himself money if he is in that range then Connaughton is like like he's proven he can be helpful on a good team and he's a good athlete pretty good shooter although you wish he were a better shooter um I thought he I just like think of him in my head as a better shooter but that's probably just me uh having some racial prejudice and thinking he's only in the league because he's a white guy who can shoot yeah, that's that's probably what it is. If he's another guy, like if he were just a few ticks better from three point range, he'd then be he would major, move the needle. Major major needle mover, but I mean, he's still a, a solid role player who who's tough and can defend multiple positions, but not like not. See, that's the thing with the like the guys who move the needle are not going to make the taxpayer mid level. That's the whole the crunch the Celtics are in. Yep. That it. There's the rub. There's the rub. Okay, let's go to the bigs. Uh, because the other guys on the list, I think Trevor Ariza, still under contract with the Blazers, even though it's not guaranteed. And the other guy in Jared's list is Glenn Robinson the third. 
Not a not a needle mover. Not a needle mover, and I also think he's young enough where people might uh, he's not going to sign a uh, just a taxpayer level. Um, Celtics big man targets Andre Drummond. I don't know how the Celtics would exactly get him. He's definitely not signing uh, for the mid level. I don't even is he even a free agent? He he could be if he turns down his player option, but he ain't turning down. If he decides twenty three million dollars, we're not even going to talk about Andre Drummond. He can get twenty and twenty against the Celtics a bunch, but he doesn't move the needle for me, and I just don't think it's that realistic. Here's another guy who has played very well against the Celtics in his career, Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson would be a possible needle mover. He's intriguing. Now, are we remembering like? 2017 Tristan Thompson is Tristan Thompson still good and I just forgot about him because the Cavs haven't been relevant since LeBron left who knows Uh, yeah I mean you wonder if he can still do the things that he was doing in Cleveland but he's a force on the glass he could replicate some of what Ennis Cantor did in that sense and it is not awful defensively yeah, and like great, great rebounder, averaged a double double each of the last two years in Cleveland. So, and best traveled like, to a very fancy island with the Kardashians. And he's proven in the past, at least, that he can guard when it matters and that he can do move his feet and do a little bit of the switching, and he would not be a huge liability defensively. So, and then he'd be a a physical presence. That would be a, that would be a good fit, I think, but it all depends depends too. How much do you value Robert Williams? How much do you value Grant Williams as a center? Where do you evaluate those guys? And, and where do you see those guys? But a, a big man with size who can hold up defensively, that would be useful. Needles moving for uh, Tristan Thompson. Here's one on Jared's list. I don't know if the Celtics could get him at that kind of $5 million price, but this would be guy late in his career really looking for a ring. Paul Millsap. That would be a needle mover. Oh, that would move, maybe. That would be very needle moving. That would be the needle would potentially break. It'd be moving so hard. He's Millsap, 35 years old, but he was he played huge minutes in the playoffs for the Nuggets. Jared kind of makes the argument that the Nuggets might not be able to pay him just because they need to give Tory Craig, Jeremy Grant, maybe some bowl bowl, some action. And so if he really wants to go to a title contender, maybe he takes a, a pay cut to go to the Celtics. I don't know. The Nuggets are like just as much in the conversation. Um, I think I would think still think the Celtics have more of a title hopes, but I think it'd be weird to leave um, Denver for Boston. But Paul Millsap is good. It wasn't yeah. too long ago that Paul Millsap and Marcus Smart were just having one-on-one battles in the playoffs. Like he is just a solid player. And if you could have Paul Millsap coming off your bench as kind of a, a stretch big who still uh, has some size, still gets rebounds. Um, I know he was a little bit inconsistent in the playoffs, but he had some moments talking shit to the uh, Nuggets, like, I mean, to the Clippers. I would be, the needle is, for the needle has broken the meter. The meter is broken because the needle has moved so much. Yeah, that that would be a perfect fit to the point where it's, it it seems unrealistic. Um, He's clearly lost a step. Um. But the guy, first of all, he he would give the Celtics something that they could use, which is a four with size and a little shooting ability. Um, Second of all, if if you look at what the Celtics did with Grant Williams last year, their defense was incredible because he could switch and they could – Millsap would do all those things, and he's just super solid and gives you a lot off – lot more offensively than than Grant Williams has shown able to do. Um so I, I think Paul Millsap would be really, really helpful for the Celtics if they were to get him 
even though he's definitely started to decline at least a little. All right, we are we are going long here, so I'm going to run off a number of names, and you tell me if any of them move the needle for you. Mason Plumley, Wayne Gabriel. Love, I, I love Mason Plumley's passing. He's not quite a, a needle mover. No, and I just have that image. Wayne Gabriel, my brain. no. Uh, Anthony Tolliver, no. He's been in the league for two decades. He How might, about he might, he's going to be signing veteran minimum contracts in 2057 and playing with DJ Augustine on an eight seed <laughs> on the eighth seed? How about uh, Bismack Biombo? Hell no. In the hell no category, I'm also going to throw in Jan Mahimi. Yep, that's a hell no from me. Another too. hell no, Jaleel Okafor. I love Jaleel Okafor, man. I'm a Duke fan, so I'll, I'll be a Jaleel Okafor guy. He can doesn't score. move the needle, though. He can score, but no, it doesn't move the needle. Noah Vonley. No. Willie Hernan Gomez. Nope. What about Juancho Hernan Gomez? I just added that to my own list because I like the Hernan Gomai. The Hernan Gomai. The Gomez. What about Dragon Bender? Hell no. <laughs> So basically, it's uh, the the only people who move the needle are guys who we don't think the Celtics can afford. Yeah, that's kind of how the needle goes sometimes, I guess. But, All right. Oh, so that's the way the needle. That's the way the cookie crumbles. That's the way the, way the, needle, the needle crumbles. Needle, that's the way the needle crumbles. Going to do the questions from the listener gods out there. Going to run through these quickly to finish off the show. This one's from Owen Phoenix Five. Who do you want to take the biggest leap, and who do you think is most likely to take the biggest leap? Jay, you're not allowed to have fan opinion, so I'll handle the first one. I want it to be Jason Tatum because then he goes from star to superstar, and then the likelihood of a championship is that much more uh, likely. That's not a good sentence. Um, But who do you think is most primed to take a leap uh, for the Celtics next year? I actually think it's Tatum. I think a lot of the times – the top players improve at a rapid rate and it doesn't necessarily show up that much in the stat sheets, but it shows up when it matters most. And I just think he can get so much better with his decision-making, with his finishing, with foul drawing, with how his consistency. Yeah. There's, there's a lot that he can improve, even though he was so good last season. I, I think Jason Tatum is the most likely to take a leap. And if he does, it changes things again for the Celtics. All right. Um, it's just announced that Disney is going to do a biopic based on Giannis's uh, kind of life and his family. This is from my main man, Teddy Kokoris, Yasu, Watertown Zone, Library Czar. Which Celtics player, past or present, should get their own biopic? I like to call them bio epics, but who do you think should get a biopic from the Celtics? Marcus Smarts would be entertaining as hell. It'd be good. I think Taco Fall kind J- of Jalen probably is the best mix of like, well, we're star, like in... star type and interesting. I feel like we're in like act the first part of act two of Jalen's biopic. I feel like his is dependent on what he does after his career. But up until right now, it's probably I mean, Taco, just his life of just not playing basketball and then coming to America is pretty wild and also just being how tall he is. Um, But he also, Teddy gave us the option of past Celtics. And so does anyone come to mind? Just Kevin Garnett. Just give me (laughs) two hours of Kevin Garnett doing anything and I'll be entertained. All right. That answers the question. Uh, This is from Rod Racks underscore 31. What the hell is going to happen with Taco? He was a two-way player last year. I'm assuming it's much of the same going into next season. I wouldn't be surprised if he got an opportunity somewhere else. Um, I think it's going to be tough in Boston for him to get an NBA contract just because they have a lot of centers. If you look at their roster, I mean, Ennis Cantor has a player option. If if he opts in, that's one backup center for Daniel Tice. Um Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Vincent Poirier is still under contract for another year. So there's just a lot of centers, and that doesn't even include if they 
go out and get a backup center in free agency or if they pick a backup center in the draft. So, Or if they got a guy who moves the needle for him. Does Taco move the needle for you next year? Taco, I mean, seems like a great, great dude. Certainly, that means no. That's if no. There, if there are fans in the that's stands. That's like a guy or a girl with a great personality. Taco, no. Taco does not move the needle. For All me. right, I love this question. This is from DG Celtics 9. Predict the next 10 NBA champions. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're is- going from 2021 to 2030. Let's just go. I'm going to is- go... Lakers, Celtics, Celtics, Warriors, Bulls, Hornets, Lakers, Heat, Celtics, Suns. Luca's got to get one. No, well, that's what when when he gets traded to the Hornets. Uh, all right, yeah, Luka Doncic is going to lead Charlotte Hornets to a title. Right. Do you think Luka gets a title in the next 10 years? Yeah. Next five years? Eh, maybe not. How old is Luka by that time? 20. What year what? does Luka Doncic get his first NBA title? 2025. That's the next five years, bro. 2026. Yeah, that sounds about right. I love that ridiculous question. I don't know how to answer it, but that is good. Um, that's pretty much all the uh, other questions. Your brother asked me, how did you find my one true authentic swing? Uh, that's just because I posted a picture of myself looking like Bagger Vance and he wants to roast me more. Um, I've you never seen look, that movie. You did look like like Randolph Juna from from the legend of bagger Vance. is this like a big photo. movie in your household because i've never seen the legend of bb damon will smith you should go watch it okay i'm not going to take movie suggestions from you when you refuse Charlize to watch their own eh, it changes things a little bit uh this is from our man sammy sheehan does the fact that drangangapa is now available on mobile change the game for you end it there that <laughs> we'll uh, end it on this one that's that's too much dragon Dragon, whatever. Um, Dragon Bender Ropa. Well, Halati, talk about Jordan Mickey, Real Madrid icon. Oh, Jordan Mickey was a summer league standout. Let me tell you. He was you. a per 36 standout. My God, that guy had the best per 36 block rate I've ever seen. Man could man could move. Man had a wingspan. Man could block shots. Man could not crack an NBA rotation. And now he's just uh, not n- enough of a needle mover. This is the last one, a late, a late breaking one, which um, from Wonder Bread. Do you think I'm going to get deployed overseas soon somewhere? I I don't. I hope not. I don't know where you live. I don't know, but let's hope. Let's hope. No. Jeez. No. Uh, but yeah, stay safe out there. Um, and then. Uh, there's are we one the right question. people to ask about that? <laughs> yeah, and I don't. I hope that me and you are not the ones making those uh, decisions. Um, and then finally, this is from Steve Merkel, Fraser Ramon. Is it true that Jam Packard stands for Jamiroquai Packard? And Jay, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the artist Jamiroquai. Uh, I don't really have many thoughts. You got nothing? You don't Jamiroquai. remember that virtual insanity video where the floor was moving, but it was all crazy? Then Napoleon Dynamite song, nothing? Napoleon Dynamite song? You know the song? Have you heard? Oh, my God, you've never that seen that That was the movie. worst fucking movie of all time. Anyone who laughed at Napoleon doesn't Dynamite. like funny things. Anyone who laughed at Napoleon Dynamite. the most basic dudes I've ever met. Anyone who laughed at Napoleon Dynamite has oh, the worst sense of humor of all time. Oh, get a pumpkin spice latte, bro. In your scally cap. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to have to wrap it up here. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for uh, dealing with our nonsense, going through the buzz. I hope this moved the needle for you as much as it did for us. Uh, Keep tuning in. We'll be back next week, uh, probably talking about the NBA draft because that's fast approaching. We're going to get some sort of guest who will teach us what's going on because neither of us are draft experts. But thank you guys for listening. If you like the show, please tell a friend. 
Tell them to subscribe. You guys should all subscribe. Give us five stars. And thank you for listening for this episode of Anything is Potable! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.